It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Summer is just about here, and uh, one of the is it? one of the signals of summer. <laughs> well, I know it's not that warm, but one of the signals of, of the arrival of summer is the arrival of the Cricketer Magazine, the County Preview issue, which is out this weekend, and uh, it of course has the free wall chart to help you navigate the unfathomable season with the twenty-one different colours coded to help you get to where you want to go during the summer and uh, it's also there's a special offer on the cricketer for this month uh, it's three free issues if you go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash free trial you can get three free issues uh, in the next three months and of course with the world cup and the uh, uh, all the other things are coming on and the, uh, the ashes as well coming up you nearly forgot the ashes for a moment didn't well, you so there's so much happening isn't there there's so much happening at the moment i mean this weekend we've got the start of the IPL, of course, and also in Dubai, the champion county, Surrey, playing the MCC as the sort of launch of the county season. And actually, what I've done in the, the editorial for this Cricketer Magazine's issue is actually saying this is the last time it's going to be like this, where the season starts with all 18 counties in operation, and those 18 counties will be playing in all the domestic tournaments. Mm. Next year, of course, with the 100 starting, with eight new teams and all the names being uh, debated at the moment, but they're not going to be county names, that's for sure, it'll be a new era, in a way, with not 18 counties involved in every domestic tournament. So it is quite a sort of signpost. It's a... Changing of the guard, yeah, if well, you like. Well, yeah, it's, it's the, the last season as we know it in, in domestically. There's a, there's a song. That, well, how does that song go? End of the world as we know it. I can't remember who made, who's... Somebody can email in who sang that. Um, and, and also send in someone singing it slightly better than that as yeah, well. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> It, well, it is. It's, it's, but it also feels as though we've had this sort of this watershed in the game for, for so long now. And I think that is part of the problem 
for the 100 is that it's been debated for so long, there's been this huge vacuum, and there have been so many views in that vacuum. And in a way, I think the ECB are struggling to, to hold on to the sort of positive PR side of the 100. It's been a real struggle for them. With, with There seems to be a lot of opposition out there. So it's up to them to, to win people over. But, of course, we've got another year and a bit before we're actually going to see this 100 in operation. But as you rightly say, the next section, if you like, of the development of the 100 is the naming of the teams. Mm. Uh, I spoke to Tom Harrison in the West Indies, the chief executive of the ECB. I said, when is this going to happen? He said, well, you know, it's going to happen, but not quite sure when, and they're still sort of knocking ideas around about how they're going to put the, the team names it's to like, get, it's together. It's like Brexit, isn't it? <laughs> it is, well, it, it, it is quite complicated because they've said... You know, we're not going to have county names, mm. and the idea it was, I think, originally not to have specific city names because mm. if you have Manchester something or other, then it sort of alienates Liverpool. people who live in Liverpool or wherever further north or a bit further south. You know, if you have Nottingham, then it alienates people who live in Leicester or, or Northampton or, or whatever. So, that, mm. but I, I think there might have been some some backtracking on that as well. So we we, we wait for the team names, mm. and then there's going to be the players draft. Yeah. That, that's coming up as well. Well, that's October. Yeah, yeah, and and that that is going to be a big thing because it's uh, it's very much you've got the chance to buy your players for a million pounds in total, and then you you basically keep those players for three years. There's a little bit. There might be a bit of trading, but you've got to get that uh, draft right because there's going to be no options about completely changing your team the following year. And what's a bit odd about that draft, I think, is that they're drafting the players in October for a cricket tournament that doesn't happen until the following July. Mm. So it's sort of eight months, eight, nine months before the players are, are actually ready to play. And a lot can happen in nine months in cricket in terms of you know players evolving or declining, um, and you know people being in vogue and then perhaps not being so much in favour. So it's quite an interesting process that. In the best possible world, the ECB would have come up with this idea and then got it going the following year mm. or something like that. Anyway, yeah. the problem they've had is broadcasting contracts. They weren't able to do it because they were locked into long broadcasting contracts which they couldn't extricate themselves from or adapt. And so we've had this long mm. gap where there's been so much debate and, and so much criticism. As I say, I think the BCB have lost control of the sort of positive PR side of it. And mm. Well, partly because they just haven't had any vision. They haven't had a definite vision of how this is going to work, in the same way as the government haven't had a definite vision about how Brexit's going to work. We're not going to get into that. But that's, you know, you want a vision. Do you want somebody to take control and say, this is what we're going to do? And if you don't, if you hear people wavering all the time, you start to mistrust them, and, and then there's a, another debate, and then you just get nowhere. So, you know, that's a problem. Now, uh, talking of of you know debates and so on. I, I spent a couple of days this week at Lords um, on the MCC committee uh, talking of change. We're uh, discussing there the, the development of the new stand at the far end of the ground, the nursery end, the Compton Edrich stand, which is going to be replaced at some point. The members that's definitely going to happen. The yeah. members have to actually agree to it at the AGM in, in in May. But there's a very promising, you know, encouraging proposal on the table. Uh, and that's one of the things that the MCC committee uh, have been debating. While I was there, uh, one of the members of the MCC committee is Mike Gatting, my old Middlesex captain, who is also chairman of the MCC World Cricket Committee, which meets 
twice a year to discuss all sorts of aspects of the game in general, trying to recommend things to the ICC. They're sort of like the guardians of the game. How much power do they have? Well, there are some. I mean, certainly with the the, the like the calibre of the people on the MCC World Cricket Committee, the likes of Ricky Ponting and Kumar Sangakkara, Brendan McCullum is on it, and uh, Saraf Ganguly. So, you know, quite sort of forceful characters with a lot of influence. So, you know, they do get things done, and they discuss a lot of, uh, a lot of matters. Uh, for, for Gat, it means a two-day trip to Bangalore, and then he's back in uh, his favourite spot in the Lord's Pavilion. And uh, I, that's where we, we chatted the other day. Gat, we're in your second favourite home, really. The upper levels of the Lord's Pavilion... Very close to the players' dining room. <laughs> How many days of your life do you think you've spent up here? <laughs> It'd be a very good question. I mean, I started in 75, um, <clears throat> playing first-class cricket, but, I mean, I was on the staff from 74, so we'd often try and sneak up and see Nance for a bacon butty from 74. So I'm going through to 98 as a player. And I was very, very lucky. I did two years coaching at Middlesex, and then... So that's 23 <clears throat> years as a player? 23, and then a couple of years of coaching, 25... Um, and I suppose you could say on and off for the last sort of uh, 18 years or 19 years where we are now, I've been on numerous committees, whether it be Middlesex or MCC. One would have to say that I've probably spent a lot of time up at the committee dining room and the, and the players' dining room. Um, yeah, it could have been nearly half my life. <laughs> well, you're looking very slim, actually. I have to say, this is good. Now, your passion at the moment is the MCC World Cricket Committee, which you're chairman of. You've been and had a big meeting in Bangalore, two-day meeting with lots of eminent cricketers and lots of things discussed. I suppose mainly the future of Test cricket and how to preserve it. Is that your real passion? Well, um, that, that's part of it. I think uh, you have to look a little bit further down the ladder to, to where I, I sort of have a, another big passion, which is the recreational game and... and, and um, you know, allowing kids to play sport, whatever it be, cricket or football or whatever, uh, and and the club scenario where where clubs are used to be, where obviously the whole sort of village used to sort of, you know, get together. It was more of a social club in the village and and in towns and 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 cricket clubs certainly when I was growing up in the sixties, um, were were huge places and and it kept you know kids sort of as I say playing in teams and not in gangs and. Um, you know, for me, um, a child playing sport, especially a team sport, where you have to learn to interact with lots of other people, and and you you sort of uh, you learn about winning and losing, you learn about competition, um, you learn about you know, crossing barriers, you know, with different different uh, different kinds of you know religions and people and and, and stuff like that. So it, it is to me just a wonderful uh, and of course you know if you're a young kid you're, you're growing up with with adults so you, you learn the, some of the niceties and some of the you know the, the good manners that you need to and so, so you learn me, a bit of respect you learn you? a bit of respect as well indeed so, so it, it's all those things that I think that is it is so important now test cricket is a pinnacle and it's uh, and, and it is the reason it's called test cricket it's played over five days it's about endurance it's about skill it's about mental toughness lots of many things um, that you have to conquer um, <clears throat> and, and to me there's still a place for test cricket so I'm quite passionate about test cricket T20 has been a fantastic innovation uh, in a game that is very sort of you know wrought with innovation because we have to keep changing and, and you can play six aside you can play five aside play single wicket competitions you play eight aside when you start you have eleven aside and and 
you know, it, it just evolves. And, 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 and to me, there is room for still something like test cricket. It's been fantastic hearing people like Virat Kohli, Faf Plessis, these captains of their countries, and especially uh, Virat Kohli, who's been outstanding in my view in the way he's led his country. He's the best player in the world. And for me, he's given some of the youngsters in his team to say, this is what you should play first. This is, this is where you're going to be remembered, is test cricket. This is what it's about. So for me, he, he, he is a, a, a very, very good man because he's passionate about the game. Mm. And, uh, you know, he's the best, one of the best players in T20, one of the best players in T20. He is, without doubt, a man with no sort of axe to grind. But, you know, with somebody like that who can influence a lot of Indian youngsters, it's fantastic. So, I mean, is it <clears> the, 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 the in, intention, in a way, of the World Cricket Committee, the MCC World Cricket Committee, to try and encourage somebody like Virat Kohli to get more involved in the marketing of Test cricket? Well, look, marketing is, is, is up to the country, sadly, um, and, and it's something that um, you know, people should look at. And, uh, you know, if you look at the way the IPL is marketed, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, because you saw that when you were in India. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Two, two months before they even started, you know, there, there are you know, pictures and, and, and footage of players and... Billboards, and billboards. And yeah. it's just phenomenal. Mm. You, you just it's think, the you buzz, know, isn't it? It's the buzz, and they've got heroes, and this, you know, don't seem to push heroes because when we played cricket in India in the eighties, I mean, you know, there were forty, fifty thousand, hundred, hundred thousand at Calcutta, you know, and there were there were posters of Sunny Gavaskar up, and and you know, Vish, uh, Vensaka and Vishi and mm. Kapil Dev, and you know, all these wonderful cricketers and you know, Kimani, uh, but now that that's gone. Um, well, they're there, but only for T20. Uh, well, they are. They're there for only T20. But, you know, I believe the game is the game. And, 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 and Test cricket is part of the game. As 50 overs is, as T20 is. As is when you go down, the club cricket, the, the school cricket, the recreational cricket. Because it's about actually giving youngsters, as I say, going back to that point about giving youngsters a chance to become the very best person they can be in life. And I think it gives them a lot of great life. So I'd hate to see Test cricket fall away from the scene. I'd like to see T20 just realise that all their best players that, that, that are heroes are actually all the Test players. If you have played 10 years Test cricket, like Virat Kohli, he will be remembered. You look at all the guys. Will Kevin Peterson remember for T20? No, he'll be remembered for England playing cricket. There are others mm. who have played yeah. the game. Will they remember for T20? Yeah. No, they'll be remembered for their Test careers. So what is the MCC World Cricket Committee recommending at the moment then? They've got uh, a number of uh, initiatives. I mean, I think, as you could hear from, from Gat there, they're trying to find ways of making test cricket more popular and more successful and g give it longevity. And there are various issues with test cricket that they have uh, tried to address. One of them is to get a standardised cricket ball for all test countries to play with, the Duke ball, which they feel is a, is a good balance between bat and ball, and to use that throughout the world. Uh, another one is to is that vexed issue of over rates how do you deal with that because they have been in decline in fact in the uh Andrew Sampson's column in The Cricketer, which is a new column we've got this month and the last couple of months, he talks about the decline in over rates and the slower uh, nature of the game generally, and they are definitely at an all-time low. So how do you speed that up? And actually what they've been doing, the MCC, this week is looking at that Champion County Surrey against MCC game in Dubai and measuring very forensically how long between overs to try and get a strategy for how to speed it up so maybe you put a clock up 
to make sure that the over begins at a certain time. You only get 30 seconds between overs before you start another over. So that's one area of investigation. So what sort of penalty can you imagine? Actually, so if you don't bowl the, you don't start the over, say, within 30 seconds... You, you, there runs, might be a, runs, a, a runs run penalty. Run. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be runs, hasn't it? Yeah. I think that's the only thing that's going to going to actually work. So, so that's one uh, sort of initiative that they're they're looking at. The only thing I would say about that is that in the county game, generally over rates are not a problem because yeah, a they have true. to bowl some more. And, you, and you, I really notice you go to watch a county match and you're conscious of the game happening a bit quicker in front of you, and test matches. Not the same. There'll be lots of people, or some people listening to this, we go, oh, God, not overrates again. Mm. You know, we, we, I, I never go to a day's test cricket and worry about the overrate. Well, I think, OK, fair enough. But I think there are people that do, and I, I'm really conscious when I go of how mm. slow the game seems. And I, I think an initiative just to get the players moving mm. would be good. Another uh, sort of aspect to this, and this is one I don't agree with, is... Free hits for no balls in Test cricket. This is another recommendation from the MCC World Cricket Committee. I don't like that idea. I Why? mean, the idea is that they're trying to minimum, you know, reduce or completely uh, remove no balls from the the event of a Test match, which they feel is a as a delay. But I, I, but free hits uh, for no balls in Test cricket? No, sorry, I'm not having that. I think it devalues the the, the purity of Test cricket, makes it a bit of a sort of you know circus in a way. Free hit? Why should you have a free hit? The batsmen aren't pe- penalised for leaving their ground before a bowler bowls. They can step up the wicket freely and hit the ball over the top. So why should bowlers be penalised for just a fraction of stepping up? Look, it's a no ball. Yes, of course I accept that if they overstep the line. But surely you want fast bowlers to get as close to the batsman as they can to to make their life difficult. And I don't see why. I, I think I see for a tiny little bit of half an inch over over stepping. To allow a batsman a free hit for that is outrageous. Well, two things about that. One is umpires are not calling no balls in Test cricket anyway. That's so true. you might have a situation where lots of potential free hits are missed, unless the umpires are being told to be far more vigilant. But then they, you know they've got a lot to do, haven't they? Yeah. Just keeping lining up the bowler, and you know they're not. So they're... are you agreeing with that or disagreeing? <sighs> I can't work it out. No, I. I, I, I I don't know, really. Um, what, so what's the difference? And uh, the second point I was going to make is, what, so why have it in white ball cricket, then? Well, because but in a way, because you white ball cricket, the, the, the whole point about white ball cricket is keeping it going, you know, keeping it very, very lively and no silly delays. And so a no ball is is just a sort of... It is a silly delay, really. So, you know, pe- there's a way to eradicate it. it from and, the... and, and it's it just... Well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's also... It's a, it's a high point, isn't it? When you get a free hit, the umpire does his whirly... Uh, signal over his head and everyone sort of looks up from whatever they might be doing if they haven't been watching and you know there's a great opportunity here for a massive hit so there's a sort of expectation there which kind of enlivens what can be quite a formulaic form of the game in test cricket which there's there's a purity to test cricket i think it upsets that that idea you are listening to the analyst inside cricket podcast with simon hughes and simon mann So I tell you one thing though: the MCC World Cricket Committee is not involved in this, this particular decision, but the ICC have done something that you particularly like. Well, that's yeah, names and numbers on the back of shirts. It's going to happen in the ashes. It's been funny watching the the reaction to this uh, on Twitter this week. For some, it, it looks as if you you know you've 
torn civilization in two. Uh, for others, yeah, why not? It's it, nothing wrong with it. Uh, people have said, you know, I, I go to the game now, my eyesight's not quite what it was. It, you know, it really helps being able to identify the players. It just brings the, the players closer to the spectators. Uh, to me, it is just incomprehensible. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, it, exactly. It's incomprehensible that we haven't done this before. I mean, it's been done in the county game. Sheffield Shield have done it years ago. The county game did it years ago. And you know, hasn't rent the county game in two. Well, not over that. Anyway, perhaps other things have, like the, like the 100. But why not just tell the spectators who's playing? And it's fine if you know, people say, well, England-Australia, perhaps most people who go along know who all the players are and can identify them straight away. I'd be surprised if that was the case, actually. If you went round the ground and say, who's, who's filling it back with point? People go, oh, uh, I'm not sure. Is that... Uh, so tell people who's playing. But, you know, and some teams that come to this country who are less familiar, but, you know, you haven't seen them as much. Like Bangladesh, for example. We haven't seen them that much in this country. Some of their players, when they do eventually come to play a test series, will not be that well known to, to the majority of, of English spectators. So what's wrong with having names and numbers to help the spectators... Out. It, it, I mean, I've got some reaction on, on Twitter this week. Let me just um, read one or two of them out to you. He says, who's this? MC McClaude, I think. He says, true, after all, one only has six hours in a day of test cricket to work out who's who. I wonder how it survives a mainstream sport for 150-plus years without anyone knowing who's playing. A true miracle. You know, you can sense his sarcasm, his sarcasm yeah. there. But... Why do you want to spend the whole six hours working out who's fielding it back a point and who's down at, at fine leg? Why not just have that instant knowledge? Oh, yeah, that's brilliant catch by mm. whoever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably it's better than it used to be because you now get when a fielder uh, intercepts the ball in a test match, you quite often get the name of the fielder on the board if you know where to look. Do you remember, actually, um, in the old days, they had those lights under the board, yeah. 1 to 11, didn't they? And uh, a bulb would light up when number three stopped the ball. Yeah. Number three light would, would light up. And then you had to refer to your scorecard to see who number three was. And, and then, oh, yeah, so that was uh, Tavery or whoever, you know. But, I mean, so it's better than it used was, to be. But... But, I, yeah, but the part of the problem was is the people listening to the scoreboard were listening to the commentary. And the people in the commentary box didn't know who to who either. So they, it, was, it was almost... Now you are getting a lot of people who are listening to the commentary, <laughs> of course, at the ground. You know, so they... Unless you've got Henry Blofeld on, <laughs> you know who's fielded the ball. Sorry, Henry. I know you, 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 you try really hard. Listen, you do t- get it wrong there, occasionally. There are many times, many times when you, I've been commentating a test you match, you're, you're not is. actually sure yeah. who it is from a distance. Mm. You're up in the mm. media centre yeah. at Lords, yeah. and lots of cricket players these days, they're of a similar type of build. There's that, mm-hmm. that sort of slim, tallish mm-hmm. sort of build. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like your day when. Well, it's fat, fat, and <laughs> little, you know, tiny. Richard Williams is about five foot three. You couldn't miss him. But there's, it, you know what I mean? There's a sort of uniformity, yeah, a bit more of a yeah. uniformity about cricketers now. And also, you know, with helmets as well, sometimes if you've got two right-handed batsmen who look fairly similar, it's not always that straightforward to work out mm. who's on strike. So you're, anyway, you're giving that the thumbs up. The yeah. But I'm surprised, I'm surprised that the... Uh, to, be, uh, to be fair, there's been quite a lot of positive reaction, but I'm surprised at the negative reaction as well because I, I actually tried to think about all the changes there have been in Test cricket in the time that I've been mm. watching the game. And there's so, there are so many changes. It's not as if Test cricket had stood still. Uh, 
we've had banks of regulation changes in no particular order, no necessarily chronological order, but you know, banks of regulations have changed. We've had uh, neutral umpires, third umpire for line calls, 90 over six and a half hour days for a start. We didn't have that, did we? It used to be just the straight six hours, didn't used to be an, an, an over spill yeah an over limit on the day mm. we've had drs which is a you know when you think about the traditions of the game the idea that you can question an umpire's decision is remarkable really because when i was growing up you never questioned the umpire that was the how you were taught to play the game it seems to me that that it's a far more radical step than putting the names and numbers it's, it's on it's undermine the umpire's authority well, almost. It, well but it's also i think umpires got up to the stage now where they actually prefer it, don't they? I think they like they like used to it they, now. Well, yeah, they want the right decision <laughs> yeah. to be made. Yeah. We've had floodlights, and this is the other thing which really bugs me actually about names and numbers on shirts. We have sponsors' names on shirts. We've had that for a long time, so you're not allowed to know who sponsors the team, but you're not allowed to know damn well's playing. So sponsors' names on shirts, no runners. That's a controversial one, but that's a change as well. We've had day-night tests, we've had four-day tests, and we've had batsmen playing shots as well. And I, I batsmen bought... playing shots, <laughs> yeah. well, as in you know, not boycott. You mean sort of, sort yeah. of, yeah. And uh, Richard German actually tweeted me this week, and he said, "Here's, here's a few more as well. Drop-in pitches, no rest days, helmets, stump microphones, two test series, neutral venues." Neutral venues, dual nationality players, speed guns, match referees, demerit points, spider cams, six ball overs as well. It's it's the innovative sport of sports, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's always evolving, which is which is a great thing, really. I mean, I think it's one of cricket's great strengths. If you think back to when it first started, actually, the origin of the game in the sort of seventeen hundreds and even before that, sixteen hundreds, it was single wicket, double wicket. I remember reading a story about uh, one tournament, which was a man and their pet. It was a, a man playing with his dog, you know, and the dog would sort of do the running between the wickets and do the fielding. So it was like one against one with each man having a dog. A slight, slightly uncomfortable <laughs> process, actually, having to bowl the ball after you've, you've got the dog sort of going to get it back and it's got covered in spittle. But So, you know, cricket has that great ability to evolve, which, is, which makes it a compelling sport. Yeah, I think the point is, is clearly, all those instances I've read out, your, your example as well, slightly yeah. left field, yeah. the, game, the game is constantly changing. And to say, uh, you know, it's, it goes against the traditions of the game, I think is, is a bit laughable, actually, really. I think the game uh, needs, needs to change, it mm. needs to update itself. I don't, think it's, I, don't think, I don't think as well, I don't think it's a massive change. It's not, it's not so big that it's going change the game I think it just brings the game a bit closer to the spectators and it's not the hugest change the the biggest change that's ever been made in the game but I think it's a really it's a really useful one it's just it's just funny seeing people's reaction just actually telling them who's playing yeah it's funny actually me my life sort of being in the MCC committee room at Lords in the Lords pavilion on a sort of darkish afternoon and I think back to when I was a player at Lords, you know, looking down on these sort of old buffers in the committee room and sort of thinking, God, load of old gits, what they, what do they know, sort of thing. And uh, now I'm, now can I you, am can one. You name, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of the players are probably looking at me do, as an do old. You think git, you, but... Do you think of yourself as an old git, or do you think of yourself as a, as a, sort of a modern older person? Um, I don't want to answer that really, <laughs> but. Uh, I know my kids look at me as an old git. That's that's, what, that's the only sort but of but I've got. But, but, but your whole raison d'etre is to explain the game to people, isn't it? You're, you know, you you've set yourself up as the analyst, and your 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 mission is to is to try to bring the game to 
mm. people who are watching it, trying to explain them, to, to, to demystify the game. Well, that's what we're doing now. Mm. We're hopefully trying to sort of explain decisions that are being made and whether they're good or bad. And I think, actually, that it, having sort of sat on the MCC committee now for a couple of years, there are some really good people that, you know, they, they do have this image, people on a committee, of mm. being old and boring, but... Actually, there's some really enlightened minds there. And I think when this, for instance, going back to where we started here, the new stand at Lords to keep Lords as the great venue, the home of cricket, it has got to evolve. And they do need a new stand, Compton Edwards stand, because the Compton Edwards stand at the moment, you, you and I have sat in there, is, is one of the worst in the world, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, it's not great the, anyway, is it? The Edwards the stand on a nice day is fine. The Edrich stand, when it's a, a cool day, if you, if you sit on the lower tier, sorry, yeah. if you sit on the top tier, the Edrich stand, it, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Not much protection. If it's really hot, then you're going to get fried. If you sit b- beneath it, I think, uh, I th- without, I think without fear of contradiction here, I think it is possibly the coldest place in the world. Colder, mm. colder, colder than the south. The yeah, colder than the Arctic. Colder than the South Pole. The the bottom, the underneath bit of the Edrich stand on a... On a Sort of April, yeah. May day. Yeah. There is no place colder. You get, you get hypothermia. Yeah, there's poor stewards who have to stand by the underneath the media centre there. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that they're, they're just you just end up frozen at the end of the day. And yeah. You have to sort of put them yeah. in a yeah. warm potential box. amputation because of a frostbite mm. on your feet. Actually, you're quite right. Whereas the top deck on a beautiful summer's yeah. day is a wonderful spot. Yeah. And actually. Uh, I used to, as a player, you know, players, if their team are batting, the trouble with the Lords Pavilion is it's in the shadow for most of the day. The balcony mm. is in the shadow. Because, it, you know, in, when it was built, that Victorian p- pavilion in Victorian era, they, people preferred to be in the shadows. They wanted to stay out of the sun because of, you know, importance of keeping your skin preserved and all that. You know, getting a suntan was completely anathema to people in the Victorian era. So that's why the pavilion was built, so that it shaded the members and whoever else was sat sat there and the players. Whereas, of course, players now want to be in the sun, and or people generally do. And so we used to, uh, when Middlesex, say, were batting, instead of sitting on that cold balcony in front of the dressing rooms, the people lower down the order would go up the far end, nursery end, Edrich or Compton stand, sit on those seats, out in the sun, in a T-shirt and a pair of shorts, lovely afternoon, watching Gat or Mark Ramprakash, you know, Desmond Haynes making loads of runs, the trouble is, you know, we had those moments where suddenly from 140 for two, we lost four wickets in the space of six overs and suddenly we were dashing back round. And, of course, you didn't want the coach to see you running around the front, sort of round the boundary to get back to the pavilion. So you had, we had to go back down out of the stand at the back and run round the perimeter road behind the mound stand, behind the tavern stand, right down behind the pavilion to the back door and run up the stairs. So that could take seven, eight minutes. Then you're back through, through the back door up into the dressing room. And I, several times, I, I'm ashamed to say, I was next into bat in a pair of in a t-shirt and a pair of shorts suddenly sort of dragging on all my gear and I had to go into bat at least twice with no socks on not great preparation really for facing Wazzy Macram say and what happened? I didn't 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 sort of finish when, when, well. when, whenever you had to rush you yourself to get to, to bat did you did it did you fail or did you succeed because actually you, you might argue both but oh, it, was, right. it was all a, it was a total lottery and I mean you're sort of struggling out to the middle um, having not been ready, you know, trying to get your gloves on. I, at least one occasion, I had two left gloves as I got out there and had to then call for another pair. 
Um, I remember Alex Stewart, the wicketkeeper, saying it's a bit village this today, isn't it, sort of thing, um, which was quite true. And uh, no socks, having to rearrange your thigh pad and your box and your helmet and stuff without being ready to, to face. I mean, no, not good. Hmm. I, the only thing I would say about that is that sometimes just waiting to bat can be so tortuous... You know, you're, ne- you're next person in, and mm. you're, you're sitting there, you're watching the cricket, you're studying the bowling. It can actually sort of build the pressure up on you. If you just suddenly you know, get in, all right, I'm in the middle, without, without any of that nervous build-up, it might actually be to your benefit. Mm. I, funnily enough, the, 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 the time when... I mean, I did have a bit of a history of being late, and Mike Gatting used to get very exasperated about it, and I was late, or not, not actually after the start of play, but I was quite late for a NatWest final... The 1988 game. You were late against, for a final. Well, I, I didn't turn up late for the actual game, but I was late for practice. Right. You were late for practice for well, a final. The, the, there what were you a, doing? There was very bad traffic. Very bad traffic. Have you not on, heard of the tube? Have you not heard of the I've tube? I've got a cricket bag. I'm not going to go on the tube. And actually, getting getting to Lords on the tube isn't that easy from West London. You've got to go to about two changes, so <sighs> it doesn't work that well. So I was driving. Got terrible traffic jam on the Westway. Got there for a 10.30 well, start. You didn't think there'd be any traffic for a final at Lord's? Well, not at 9.30, 9.15, I don't know. Anyway, I got to the ground at quarter to ten. Nets were just about to finish. Gat was not happy. It was This was Middlesex, Worcestershire. But, but I, I had five minutes to warm up and have a, have a bit of a net. And actually, I bowled really well because there was no time to be nervous. Well, that was anyway. my point, yeah. Yeah. So maybe, you know, a, a frenetic build-up to a game is <laughs> the perfect uh, solution to, to be successful. We're nearly done here. I, I just wanted to say uh, one little thing, draw attention to something coming up later in the summer. Again, it's in the Cricketer magazine, and it's uh, a partnership with Kia to get women's uh, club cricketers more opportunity. So this is called the Kia Summer Smash, and basically Kia, who sponsored the Oval, of course, have, and also sponsored the Kia Super League, have partnered with a cricketer to create four women's cricket festivals. This is for club cricketers, and they'll be in July and August, a western one, a southern one, a northern one, and a midlands one. And basically it's going to be ten over games played on a Sunday, uh, say eight teams playing off to produce a winner, and then the four winners get to play a final at the Kia Oval. So... Look out for that, the Kia Summer Smash. It's an opportunity for women's club players to really get involved in a, a very interesting tournament. So, ten over matches, ten overs beside matches. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to get even bigger. I noticed mm. Will Jacks this week, that was incredible hitting mm. against Stephen Parry of Lancashire. 100 of 25 balls. It's incredible, isn't in it? In a ten over match. Yeah. I mean, it's just mad, isn't it? It's not the fastest 100 I've ever heard of, by the way, but the balls faced. You know who scored the fastest ever 100? That, that, on record, anyway, is Donald Bradman, of course. 23 balls at Blackheath. I think it's Blackheath in Australia. But he did actually produce 100 off 23 balls. What sort of is, game was that, though? It was a club game, you know, kind of... Um, Australian Invitation 11, sort of like kind of not a benefit game exactly. I think it was a serious game, but but a sort of invitation game. And it is in, it is on the re- in the records actually, 23 ball 100, but 25 balls for 100 in a professional game. Astonishing. Mm. Glad I'm not a bowler these days. I, w- I did say, by the way, that I was going to mention um, what can bowlers do in the future 
you know, all these uh, innovations for batsmen to enhance their ability. Yeah, we were talking about that last week, week, weren't we? Yeah, the the Um, virtual reality batting. And I found some very interesting insoles, and I've ordered you a pair, actually, to see if it makes any difference to your running. Uh, So... We'll keep that uh, uh, that subject sort of rolling a bit, but there's a company in Switzerland that are producing these brand new insoles which have a concept where your feet are much more in touch with the ground, but the support to your feet is much more scientifically worked out. And golfers are already finding that it's increasing their balance at the tee and also their distance off the tee. So we're trying to find whether that's going to work for batsmen and bowlers in cricket. So for a bowler, you say it might help bowlers, what would it do? Would it reduce injuries yeah, or just because it gives them greater balance as they both. as they deliver both so hopefully better balance as they deliver and you know generally bowlers are still struggling to find the right insoles mm. for for boots to wear you know uh, i know that even the current england bowlers they either wear the, the, the sponsors boots from new balance or prime previously it was adidas and there isn't a lot of scientific uh, input into the design of those boots. They have their own insoles to sort of protect them from the shock of landing the ball, uh, of landing their body all the time. But the, uh, there isn't a lot of science in footwear for, for for bowlers generally, and this could. Just, I find that surprising. It, I know, but you see, they're they're, part, they're most of these bowlers are. Um, contracted to wear a particular brand of footwear and the footwear makers, the Adidas's and the New Balances, don't invest much time in, you know, ideal prototype, specialist built boots for for bowlers that are going to protect their bodies. So this insole idea, which will keep keep on the case, could just be a no, a little help for bowlers to keep them on the field for longer and perhaps avoid injury. What do you do with your boots? Do you have to do things like I, cut I, the toe out? Do you know, I've like got that. an embarrassing story about my boots, of course. I used to drag my right foot as I bowled, so I used to wear the toe out of my right boot. My left boot was perfect, but my right boot used to wear out quickly. I only had one pair of boots because otherwise I'd have to buy some new ones, so the, my sponsor gave me one pair of boots for the summer. So unless I went and bought another pair, I only had one good boot. Batsmen were given loads of free boots for some reason, and they hardly ever used any. Game, of them. It's, it's a batsman's game. game, so hardly them ever used any of these boots. So I used to borrow the right boot of a batsman who didn't use this pair, and my own left boot. So quite often I bowled in odd boots. Not really. The greatest way to go, is it? A very odd bowler bowling in odd boots. <laughs> Each to their own. Well, just to continue the, the odd sort of theme, I'm actually heading, when the county season is beginning, I, like 11 English players, is heading to the IPL. So I'll be reporting from there next week. Actually, I'm following the Rajasthan Royals around for a week and a half. Uh, so they're playing in some quite interesting venues, including Chennai. I'll see how uh, the, the madness of Chennai and the support of Dhoni mm. uh, unveils itself for their first home game. And I'll be reporting from there. Where are you going to be? Um, I shall be here following the IPL and commentating on the IPL. The BBC have got rights to do the IPL. Um, we're going to do it from London. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it, it has become... Well, it, it is one of the biggest shows on earth, isn't it? In, yeah. in, term, in cricket, in cricketing terms, it is It is huge now. And all the, all the, nearly all the star players are there. And the crowds are there. And the money is there. Um, it's not everybody's idea of 
cricket, but mm. it's certainly a lot of people's idea of, of modern cricket. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and uh, it would be interesting. I'm going to go and follow uh, Joffre Archer for a week and see how he goes. So I'll report back on that. Just a final reminder about the cricketer and that offer. So www.thecricketer.com forward slash free trial, and you can get three free issues of the Cricketer magazine. So look out for that. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.